This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening. You're with Lee Chui Lin, Sharmila Ganesan and Sharat Kutten. Tonight, a new study has found that remote work does have a negative impact on younger or junior level employees. So we're diving into that. First, we're going to discuss the study's findings as well as the role feedback plays in building career and how that shifts depending on your seniority. So, how important has feedback been in your career? What's the best or worst feedback you've ever received at work? Call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio, uh, at our U mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. So, uh, our, our story today is based on an article from the New York Times, which highlights major research conducted showing remote working having a negative impact specifically on younger or junior level employees. Now, this piece of research is actually among the first to look at the professional downside of remote work. It's called The Power of Proximity to Coworkers, if you want to look that up. And it was published by a group of economists who studied engineers at a tech company. So the results are actually pretty interesting. They found that remote work uh, enhanced the productivity of senior engineers, but it also reduced the amount of feedback that more junior employees were receiving um, and that more junior engineers were more likely to quit the firm. And in terms of uh, the effects of working remotely, this declining feedback was apparently more pronounced when it came to uh, female uh, employees. So the study's findings are specific to this particular industry. However, uh, the authors are suggesting that the office did play an important role when it came to career development, particularly when it comes to this notion of how feedback um, helps you uh, improve and elevate yourself in your career. Yeah, I, I think, you know, it's interesting that it was, um, uh, the study was based on engineers, right? So the question of how much, um, you know, processes or the the wisdom of, of mentors are important in actually forming somebody in a very technical field. And you think that uh, when it comes to other fields, it might get even more intense. So when you think of journalism, where I grew up, the, you know, the, the senior um, journalists who had a, uh, you know, um, a mindful of context and frameworks and questions to ask was was essential for your development. And if you if you are at a remove, and it might be because of the f- the physical remove that you are when, when working from home, uh, you lose out on that. Well, they're very basic things, right? Like rapport. Um, because mm. I, I think that the way you give feedback uh, often, your the way you give it, your willingness to give it, how often it's provided, a lot of that is also built on how comfortable you feel with another person. And that's, you know, acknowledging that receiving feedback and providing feedback is a huge part of working in a team setting. It's something that you should reasonably be able to expect. But there is a huge difference between sending, uh, between saying to somebody sitting next to you, hey, that was good. Um, I think something that something else you could look at is blah, 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 versus writing a weekly email um, comprising what might be very substantive feedback. But, you know, that's not necessarily the best way to, to communicate it, I would think. And that's when things are 
positive, right? When we think about the type of feedback that could be more negative or more sort of critical, it feels even more likely that being remote puts certain uh, barriers in terms of that communication. And, and I think it's particularly telling that we're talking about junior employees struggling with this more because um, I think about even for us when we had a lot of our remote work, um, it felt like when I was talking to peers, it's a little bit easier because you're a lot more relaxed when it comes to, hey, you know, I think this didn't go so well. Um, what do you think the problem was? But when you're speaking to someone more junior, uh, at least on my part, there was always an awareness that you needed to be a little bit more careful. You didn't want them to feel like you were being overly harsh, but at the same time, you did want to help them. And I imagine that on the other side of it, there's also a lot more uh, hesitance in terms of perhaps pushing back or asking questions or even perhaps trying to separate what is useful criticism and what might perhaps need a little bit more interrogation. I do think remote work can be helpful in so many ways, but I think it's these softer elements that can suffer if you're working entirely remotely. Yeah, and, you know, we have those platforms for to help with remote work, like the WhatsApp, you know, group messages and all that. And, and you're right about tone, because I, I sometimes find myself, I, I, I want to check myself, because I think that a simple question I ask will be read by somebody who's less secure as a criticism, and I have to kind of like put in brackets or add an emoji to kind of soften the message because you don't. But I, and it's also this other thing about being together and in the con, being in a constant discussion is that it, it, it sometimes in an unstructured um, con, situation interesting things can emerge. Mm. They don't emerge when it's much more directed at a certain objective. We've got to show, we've got to do this, this is what we want to achieve. But in the quiet moments, you might actually deliver something that somebody else, especially a younger person, finds valuable. So, uh, we are discussing a study that found that remote work had a negative impact on younger or junior level employees because of a lack of access to consistent feedback. And we are therefore asking you, how important has feedback been in your career? What is the best or worst feedback you ever received at work? We want to hear. You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note at 018-789-8899 or a WhatsApp you can also tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we're going to be speaking with Asfa Amirzakri, co-founder at Work Inspires. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Baba from Malacca. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.15. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sharad. Uh, we're basing our story today on a study that found remote working had a negative impact or has a negative impact on younger junior level employees in particular. Uh, we are asking you, therefore, how important has feedback been in your career? What is the best or worst feedback you've ever received at work? You can call us 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to talk about this is Asfa Amizakri, co-founder at Work Inspires. Asfa, thanks for speaking with us today. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. 
So, uh, like we said, we're talking about an article from the New York Times that highlighted that people who work remotely, particularly juniors, are missing out on valuable aspects of the in-office experience, including receiving feedback or being able to work more collaboratively. Uh, what have you observed in this regard, especially in the Malaysian context? I think it's very important for us. Like, of course, there are certain things that's lacking, right? Like, if we're working remotely, there's no human interaction and, and ETC. But it's also something that's very important as we, at, in Malaysia, we need that, that connectivity in Malaysia, right? Um, especially for working remotely, we don't have that connectivity. And maybe that is one of the biggest hindrances of something, something that's really lacking inside uh, working remotely. So I totally agree. I think the most important thing that's lacking currently right now in terms of working remotely would be just uh, the human interaction as in person, which is something that is very important in Malaysia. So then what are some of the main challenges when it comes to giving and receiving feedback while working remotely? I think the main challenges would be like, especially if you're working remotely, right? It's uh, owning the camera or having that, that human interaction is something that's missing. That's one. The second thing is people are not really comfortable in sharing more personal uh, aspects of things uh, virtually or working remotely. And I think the third point would be that if, let's say, for example, you're working remotely, it's very fast and just work-based. Right? There's not much of a personal aspect of it. We don't usually just hang out on on, on the uh, platforms just to just chat, but it's more towards just settling work. That's it. Done. So I would say that would be the biggest challenges that would be in terms of giving or receiving feedback. As far, are there particular groups who would benefit more for having that in-person uh, experience, and you know, and 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 also people who don't. I mean, who would actually quite be quite okay with not having that in-person experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it depends, right? If you're talking in Malaysia, for for from from my experience, and also working with other companies and listening to them, uh, in Malaysia, it's quite hard. Because we are we are accustomed to meeting in person. We are accustomed to having like every time we meetings, we have to go to like a, a Starbucks or a restaurant or a cafe to just meet up, right? So compared to other places, let's say for example like Japan or any other uh, countries out there, they are already accustomed to having all of this uh, work remotely kind of thing. So for them, maybe it is much easier, much better for them because they want things fast. But for us in Malaysia, it's quite hard because we are uh, creatures of uh, human interaction. So I would say I would say for us in Malaysia it might be hard, but for other countries maybe it must be easier. So if I'm a junior who's working remotely at the moment, uh, what could I be doing to ask for feedback more frequently? What would be constructive? Okay, so for us, like for example, inside Work Inspires, we has we have this framework called KISS. Keep, improve, start and stop. Right, I think before we do that, the framework is very important for us to set the state, um, the setting for feedback, because especially inside, um, especially for a junior, if you want to receive or ask feedback from your supervisors or your seniors and everything like that, it's very ad hoc and it's not well planned. It's just like a random during tea breaks or like for example during lunch, you just ask feedback. It's like, hey, how can I improve or what can I be better in? 
right? So that's one. I think the most important thing is to set, uh, manage expectation and set a setting of saying like, okay, let's say for example, within this week, um, Mr. Supervisor or boss, can we have a feedback session in a particular time, in a particular day? And best to do it during working hours than after hours because after hours is always more relaxed and casual. So that's one. And then the second uh, thing is once you already set the uh, point to actually do or give or receive feedback, it's something that's very important to have the, a framework or a structure. Like what I mentioned in terms of KISS, keep, improve, start and stop. So what are certain things that we need to keep? What are certain things that we need to improve? Or what are certain things that we need to start doing? Or what is the thing that we need to stop doing? So that's usually the case of as a junior, having that structure and setting the tone is something that's very important. And conversely, if I'm supervising yeah. junior employees who are working remotely, what are some things that I should keep in mind? Mm, honestly, for for... The other side would be having empathy. I think these days, especially if we're talking about remotely or whether it's in person, because of COVID, the level of empathy in, in the world is really, really reduced down because it's just basically the separation and that gap that has been happening, right? So to keep in mind is to be very empathetic. And, and I would say if, let's say, for example, in terms of generations or different there is no connectivity, I would say be open and be understanding on their perspective. Maybe some people, I will always like to share this in terms of different generations. A baby, if first time you get cut, they will cry like crazy. But an adult, if they get a small cut, it's normal for them. So treat everyone like someone that is new, who have experienced it before. That's where you can give more empathy and understand them a bit more better. So do you think that the hybrid work model has addressed these issues or has it presented its own set of challenges? Definitely it set its own uh, challenges um, in terms of this hybrid. Now, there's always pros and cons in everything, right? So hybrid working, uh, like I mentioned, it is something that everybody wants, but sometimes it's on, on a personal agenda, right? Maybe because um, why hybrid working is something that uh, a lot of people want this in Malaysia is because of the jam, right? So because of that, that for them to travel, uh, for them to no need to go through the hassle of jam, they don't need to go through that pain. So that's why hybrid, uh, hybrid uh, working is something that's beneficial. But the own challenges that's happening inside hybrid is that the level of trust and the level of micromanaging inside the organization itself. Whether can you rely on the person, whether this person is actually doing their own their work at home or wherever they are, or whether you can trust the person that this person can actually do the job. So in the study that we're referring to, uh, the economists found that the benefits of in-person work apply only when an entire team is physically together. Do you agree? I disagree on that. I honestly, I honestly think that, that of course, in-person is good, but at the end of the day, it depends on the team, right? As long as we understand and also know that work is work and, and I would say fun is fun, it doesn't matter whether it's in-person, everybody needs to be together and it be conducive or not. It, for me, honestly, it, it's just, it depends on the team. So, Despite all of these challenges that we've been talking about, um, 
many, many employees still would pick working from home or hybrid arrangements. I mean, there are many surveys, for instance, the 2022 survey by PwC that showed that employees would prefer these. Do you think that ultimately the benefits of remote working still outweigh the negatives? Oh, yes. That is a very, very nice uh, question. Also, spicy question, right? So for me personally, my opinion would be that, that it would definitely benefit more because sometimes we are living in a world that there's a lot of things that's happening in personal life and also work life, right? So when, and we're talking about work-life balance. Hybrid working is one of the best ways for us to have that work-life balance moving forward. But of course, it were, like I said, it's a double-edged shot also. Sometimes people do not know how to separate that work and also personal thing when we have this hybrid thing uh, happening inside the, the country or also inside work. So that's something that is very important for us to know when we do hybrid working yes there are benefits of it like like in terms of work-life balance but also have a balance in both of it so finally what could be some of the ways to better support employees who are working from home mm, i think transparency is something that's very important to support employees because because for for the employers, they want to see the work done, and of course, they want to make sure that everything is there. When or, or when you are there, it's required to be there. You need to be there, right? But in terms of transparency for the employees, is that sometimes yes, when we work from home or uh, remotely, for that matter, we have other things that it will be an interference. And being transparent is something that's very important for us to know, like. Uh, maybe, for example, like, okay, right now, um, I am currently settling something. After this, I need to settle. Uh, an, after settling this personal issue, then I can actually handle the work and settle it as soon as possible. So having that transparency is something that's very important for employees so that we all know that we all are all humans at the end of the day. So there will always be um, some ad hoc things that we need to settle if we have this hybrid working or working remotely. So being transparent is something that's good. Asva, thanks for speaking with us today. Yep. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having us and have a great day, everyone. That was Asfa Amezakri, co-founder at Work Inspires, um, and talking about the the study that essentially found that well, uh, remote working did have its negatives, particularly for junior employees. And in light of that, we want to know how important has feedback been in your career? What is the best or worst feedback you ever received at work? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note, 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Um, let's start off with a, with a message that doesn't exactly answer our question, but it's from Munif who says... Malaysian employers are generally a strange bunch. They'd rather workers slack off at the office than be productive in the comfort of their homes. This is something that's come up a fair amount, right? In the time that we've... When working from home wasn't a requirement, but became an option. Um, because we very quickly saw these questions of, oh, but I can't trust my employees. Um, I'd rather they be here so I can watch them. And I largely feel like a lot of that really just means that we need to mature um, collectively in terms of trust and in terms of what we think of when we say productive employees. Yeah, Asfa actually did mention the question of the 
problem of trust mm. or the lack of it in this instance. Uh, but they, I, I mean, to be fair to employers who um, who might find themselves saddled with somebody who's going to game the system and take advantage of these new um, conveniences. I mean, they're set up to help people negotiate daily life, especially in cities where there are jams and such. Um, and, and there was the pandemic as well. Uh, there must be some guarantee. So how do you build trust? I mean, it's something both sides. I mean, employees can, can't just demand it. You mm, know, yes. we need to find a way to bridge the gap uh, between employees and employers on this question, how do you measure productivity when you're at home? That and actually trust is a good entry point to uh, our point today about feedback because of course, you know, you want to be able to to take feedback in the spirit that it's offered in. But if you don't have trust, um, and, and this is not trust about productivity, but trust as a team or trust in your employer, then actually what is the spirit? How do you know? Yeah, yeah, no, you know? I get it. Yeah, and uh, that goes back to what you were saying about needing to establish that sort of relationship to begin with. So tell us, how important has feedback been to you? Uh, what is the best or worst feedback you've ever received? You can call us, send us a voice note as well as tweet us, BFM 89.9. Backing female ministers, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sherrod. And together we're talking about the importance of feedback in your career. This came after a study found that one of the downsides of remote working, particularly for younger or junior employees, was that they simply weren't getting enough feedback. And so we're asking you, how important has feedback been in your career? And what is the best or worst feedback you ever received at work. Uh, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. You can also drop us a WhatsApp there and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, before we get to the messages, I, I did want to kind of talk about it a little bit more because earlier we were discussing the the study and not so much talking about our own personal experiences with this. And um, I was thinking about how actually for a very long time for me. Feedback was hard to take, um, and that's because I'm a recovering perfectionist, all sorts of stuff, you know, being raised eldest child, all sorts of things. Anyways, uh, but it, it became such that I approached feedback, um, especially, um, especially what's the formalized, formalized feedback sessions or periods every year with anxiety. And, and I think that that ended up maybe affecting how I, I thought about feedback. And yet, um, if I, and, and then I was thinking about the question we're asking people, right, and whether I could isolate a single piece of advice. And I don't think I can because I think the most valuable pieces of feedback that I've received have been constructive thoughts or, you know, people kind of weighing in and bouncing off of ideas with you because ultimately you just don't do good work in a vacuum. That's just a fact of life. I don't think anybody works at their best in an utter vacuum. I will continue to think about, you know, when someone has said something like really life-changingly helpful to me at work. Uh, but yeah, that's me. I, 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 I'm increasingly, I hope, getting better at it, but the anxiety remains. Um, I don't know if I can isolate a piece of feedback, but I think I always go back to my early days in working for a newspaper and how um, on those very, and in, you know, you come into the job, especially if you were like an exemplar English student in school, which I was thinking, oh, I wrote great essays and therefore I'm going to be great at being a journalist. Um, and I remember that my editor at that time, she was 
very tough, but she was also so helpful because essentially she would yell for me and then I would know that the article I'd written was terrible <laughs> because she would yell for me. But then she would sit with me and go through the article I'd written line by line and say why this worked and why this didn't, why we should write it this way and why not that way, why headlines function this way. Hands down, best feedback process ever, right? And I'm not sure that that's something that could work to bring it back to today's discussion in a remote setting because so much of it was very um, uh, a very human interaction. It was also important for me to understand, even though she may be coming across as kind of impatient with me that that wasn't, that she was actually showing me care, um, that she was actually giving me her time. Um, all of these things are things that are difficult to do in, in structured feedback sessions that you might set a Zoom call for. Did you do you take um, criticism from um, you know members of the audience, listeners, readers as criticism? Do you take that seriously? Because um, if I was to think about criticism, I I'm, my mind often goes to the people who criticize my writing. Uh, I remember one time there was this feedback. So I, I think it's interesting that you're using the word criticize because actually we're talking about feedback, which can be positive um, and negative. Well, the positive mm. feedback, you know, often is just like water rolling off the duck's back. You're kind of happy for about two seconds and that's the it, The negative right? stuff sticks. Yeah, the, I yeah, agree. It's the negative mm. stuff that sticks. And I remember uh, I worked for the Sun newspaper and there was a column for feminists and, you know, one of those feminists didn't uh, write her piece. So then my editor said, Sharad, you know, you've got a day to turn this around and put, fill this uh, space up. And I wrote something in a column for feminists uh, talking about how to redeem male culture. And, the, and <laughs> one of the feminists called me a piece of dog excrement. And I, I must say, you know, it was quite, it was something I remember for a long time because uh, I, I realized that one, there are people reading, and two, that what you think is a reasonable argument might not be. And so, you know, how do you think about how other people are going to receive your ideas? And and I have had many more uh, dog excrement moments, <laughs> I can tell you that. Well, that's us. Uh, we want to know from you, how important has feedback been for you? Um, you know, and, and actually, the, the question of manner of delivery is also an mm. interesting one, right? Like, how do you best receive feedback? Um, and if you want to share what's the maybe best or worst feedback you have ever received in the workplace, that number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, or drop us a WhatsApp and tweet us at BFM Radio. So we do have a voice note that came in. This is Dylan. Hello, I think for me, in terms of the feedback perspective in working remotely, one of the um, something that I always have to be mindful would be that who am I talking to at the moment, right? Because when we are working remotely, sometimes that now I'm working with the Malaysians, but sometimes I'm actually working with someone else abroad or come from different culture, different understanding. So um, very often that the subjective uh, perception of certain meaning could be different from one place to another place, right? I take you for example, even like Chinese from Malaysian versus Singapore, we speak the same language, but certain extent the culture and the style could be different so one of the feedback also sometimes is that when i now have to work with our local malaysian people would always label me that i think you are very you know different right so i i know what they mean sometimes it could be too direct for example but sometimes i can be a bit more soft side so uh, when we work remotely we just have to be 
uh, mindful sometimes where we are right now, who we are talking to, and be a bit more on empathy to a certain extent, it could be very helpful. Dylan, thank you so much for that. I, th- I think that there's a lot in there that's interesting, particularly in terms of speaking to different people at different times and different contexts. Um, and truthfully, I- I'm in the position of providing feedback quite often. And I did find that doing it while working remotely is tiring, partly because of that tone, um, which we talked about earlier as well, having to deliver feedback in a written form or not being able, even through video, and not being able to rely on reading the vibe of the room or how the other person might be responding, all of that really adds up. Uh, No, absolutely. I think that, um, I think when you're in the position of giving feedback, it is actually so important to think about how that feedback is going to be received. Now, that doesn't mean you have to pull back on the thing you're trying to say, but obviously you are in a position of power or being above the person. Um, And so empathy, I think, is always a good thing to keep in mind. Okay, so I don't want to raise the boomer, you know, and generational um, difference argument. But is there one in terms of this question? Because because the study seems to focus on young people missing out on a particular experience with regard to the workplace. And, and that's got to do with mentoring and their relationship with older, more senior people, right? So um, has something shifted in the way people think about criticism? Are they more empowered? Do they say, okay, you have your point of view, I have my point of view, which can be quite annoying, I must say. Uh, or are, are they, you know, as uh, people accuse them of being snowflakes and, and therefore much less willing to take a criticism. Can I pull it back even further than that and say that I think um, the generational difference might be in the willingness to even ask for the feedback or, or criticism or whatever. And, and I think that that might come from I, I you know, young newer generations are more willing. No, I think that uh, we are a texting generation. And mm. so um, the the people who in the past would have picked up a phone and just called you and said, hey, listen, let's talk. I, I don't think your work's very good, <laughs> you know, or, or that kind of thing. That sense of directness is not always present. And so um, aside from how one takes feedback, uh, if we look at the study, the other thing that they talk about is how you ask for it or how often you receive it. And I think the generational gap there is very present because um, you might, I, I don't know, I'm just saying, I'm just thinking me and up? Down? What am I trying to say? Who's younger? Down? Down. <laughs> yes. Um, from me down, um, meaning people who are in their 20s, I'm not sure how many people are like actually out there, you know, trying to constantly seek it out. So texting, and then I would also add to that actually the internet. Um, and, and I want to say what I'm saying is not at all a bad thing. I think we are now operating with a generation of younger people who are more empowered to say, I don't deserve to be treated that way. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, because I think even when I was work, when I first started working, there was the sense that you needed this job, whatever your boss would say to you, however they might deliver that message or feedback, you need that job. Take it. Does that then go too far into the direction of, um, I don't deserve to be spoken to that way, even if it's legitimate yeah. criticism so delivered politely? That's, I think, where it becomes a little grey, right? Because And that's where the accusations of snowflake generation and all that comes about, because they're like, oh, everything we say you take as like criticism. So I think there is some complexity there. Um, I do think, though, that I do think, though, that the truth is that 
whenever you're the junior employee, it's never the same as asking for or receiving feedback from someone that's a uh, compared to a peer-to-peer situation. I want to quote Baudelaire, but I can't quite remember the lines. But <laughs> sorry, you know, uh, no, he has what a, a pity. He has this line about what a true friend is, and a true friend is somebody who kind of, you know forces you to kind of live up to your better self, right? And I think in a mentoring situation, that's what you want. So on one part, there is the, the, the older person saying, I want to help you become your better self. And the other is the eagerness on the part of the younger person to learn, who wants or sees criticism as essential to their personal growth and not an attack on that person. And that is a distinction that and I think a lot of people... And it shouldn't be an attack on the person, which is the thing the person but giving the feedback should know. Right. It's, uh, receiving it is perceived as an attack mm. on that person, not as a, an ins- essential part of your professional growth. And people can't make that distinction, I think. Maybe they never could. And, you know, some people just don't survive. And a lot of people have withered on the vine, you know. Uh, but, you know, and then some of us became more resilient and, and just learned until we got to the point where we could be delivering, dishing it out, as it were. No, I'm just kidding. Perhaps no one noticed, but I've been silent for a while because I've been trying to find this friendship quote and I can't find it. <laughs> so I, I don't I'm not making it up. I know. I know. I dropped a big. I know. I know. I dropped a big name there. Yeah. I'm not for effect. I've tried Baudelaire, true friend, Baudelaire, friendship quote. Not coming up yet. We'll find it. Um, Anyways, we are talking to you and asking how important has feedback been in your career, Um, and do you have a preference for? How you take it, you know. <laughs> I love um, being fact-checked on air. I love this, you know. No, this I is was what trying. you get on BFM. You get, you know, every nothing, uh, you know, goes Even the past. presenters. <laughs> get fact-checked. It sounded wise. I wanted everybody to know it, but I can't find it. Anyway, how important has feedback been in your career? What is the best or worst feedback you've ever received at work? You can call 7733-2900, send a voice note to 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Backing Feminist Movements, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.52. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn, Sharmila and Sharad. We're talking today about the importance of feedback in the workplace. Uh, We'd like to hear from you. How important is feedback to you? What is the best or worst feedback you've ever received in your workplace? That number to call is 7733-2900. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We're talking about this because a new study has found that remote work did or does have a negative impact on junior employees, particularly because they don't receive enough feedback. Hence why we're trying to talk about that very issue. Um, now, we do have a voice note that's come in. This is from Saiful. As a father of four teenagers and young adults, and on top of that, I am a boss of my own company. Giving feedback is not an easy thing because sometimes people are or employer, employers, sometimes they are very sensitive on what you're talking about. But I found a trick, it's a, very, a trick that I always use and kind of having a good back to me is that, the, and they will appreciate their feedback, is I always highlight what is the problem, why it is a problem, and how to fix a problem. For example, if the employee is, the employee is coming late, always say to this uh, to, to come to the office I, always, I highlight to him that 
what's the problem is right now it's going to be late and why this problem because you sometimes customer want to come early and then there's nobody attending and how to fix the problem just adjust the timing or wake up early or something like that and by doing that any they can somehow they can take the feedback quite okay lah but i do have some bad experience when the employer the employees fighting back saying that's not those are not their problem but that's hustle and bustle of being a boss what to do Saiful, <laughs> <laughs> what to do instead uh, what to do indeed i mean i think that i think that if you try your best to provide proper feedback after that really what to do Mm. Well, you know, a lot of people are sharing uh, feedback that they've received that was uh, helpful. And and it's really quite nice, I think, to 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 see the number of people who have found this uh, useful in their line. Um, so we have, uh, well, an anonymous listener who says, Best advice at work I received was when I started as a business journalist. One of the editors told me, these first two years, make as many mistakes as you can. After that, no more. On hindsight, two years might be a bit long, but I think the gist of the advice is to not let fear keep you from taking chances and if you do make mistakes learn from it yeah i think with uh, journalism there's in enough checks and balances uh gatekeeping that goes on in the so that you know you don't end up doing damage to your organization right they'll catch it uh and yes uh you know there was a generation where the the newsroom was a very harsh place and and you really had to be tough i mean shamla you know this you worked in the newsroom and you know uh but uh It wasn't necessarily bad. I think looking back, I think this is the hi- this is the wisdom of hindsight, right? You look back and you think, "Oh, I learned so much during those days." Uh, I don't want to do the whole. Oh, this they treated me badly, but I learned a lot. There were equal number of people who I think could have behaved much better. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, no but, excuse for bad behavior. Uh, but there were also yes things that were difficult when they were happening to me, but in retrospect, I realized um, helped me learn. So yeah. I think that happens in many spaces lah. Uh so when we we've been talking about feedback and it's it's use right it's it's facility. So Robert Roberto says, I've never imagined in my entire almost 30 over years of work that one of my managers would be capable of telling me it has been very challenging to work with you. It was really shocking to listen to. It, it didn't even tell me how to improve in what area what to change. Just like that. It was so frustrating. Oh, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, and it it goes against Seifel's uh maxim of stating the problem but also what the impact is. Instead, this just seems like an attack. Like it doesn't help. You yeah, know, one thing we, we all have to realize is that, I mean, I always find this. I My perception, my uh, memory of interactions are always so benign and happy. And I think, you know, and then when somebody comes back to me and says, oh, you are harsh and critical and, and so on and so forth. It's a real shock to me because in my mind, it was a very happy place. Like, that, remember that time you quoted Baudelaire and I was actually deeply hurt mean, like by just five minutes and, ago. And, and let down? It was <laughs> yes. just five minutes, guess. I will find the quote for you. Don't worry. We'll come back with that later because at this point, it, it's... And if, it's I, an, if I don't find it, I've just lost my job, I think. It's a live on air unsolvable mystery at this point. We haven't found it yet. Um, okay, Munif says, my boss saw me staying back late one evening and said to me, wow, first time I see you busy, yeah? A seemingly harmless jibe, if not for the fact that I stayed at the office for three days to submit a 700 plus drawing proposal for the company just a day ago, all in a day's work in this thankless industry. And maybe this is not so much about feedback, uh, but in many ways about the the manner, right, with which we, we speak 
to people. The manner and how when you are in a, a superior position that a lot of things that you say that to you might seem just a joke can often be perceived very differently by your employee. So let us know what you think uh, or rather share with us how important has feedback been to you in your work? In general, do you find it very valuable? And what is the best or worst feedback you've ever received? You can call us double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note to 018-789-8899. It is the same number to drop us a WhatsApp. You can tweet us at BFM Radio. We'll be back for all the messages that are continuing to come in. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 7.08 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sherrod. We are talking today about, okay, let me me start by recapping the study because uh, our entire show today is based on a study that found remote working does have a negative impact, particularly on younger and junior level employees because they don't have what the study is calling the power of proximity. Um, And that enables them to get feedback, uh, to actually have their seniors speak to them, talk them through things. And that had us wondering, how important is feedback in one's workplace? Uh, Has it been important to you? What is the best or worst feedback you've ever received? You can call 7733-2900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. We have a voice note. Uh, This is from Ravi Kumar. Uh, Here's here's my take on this. Uh, Getting feedback, whether remotely or you're working in the same office or in a different country and so on and so forth. I think... This feedback, a lot of times we don't have to make it formally. An informal feedback session will do much better. I think Shamila mentioned about her, her boss when she was at the newspaper, sitting down and going through with her and telling her exactly where and what she did wrong. I think that's invaluable. You know, we I've seen the sort of managers that when you finish a job, you pass it to them. And they, all they do is they shout, 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 but they don't tell you what is wrong. You know, they just make you want to go around on a wild goose chase. We need feedback in order to improve, right? Especially the younger generation. I think we need to focus on the task at hand. Don't make it personal. That's number one. Number two, show that you're there to support them. Don't just shout at someone just because the work is not up to par. Sit down or go through with them what is expected and how to do it. For those who understand it, you know, in a room where you have 10 people, maybe five, six people get it or seven people get it. The rest of the three don't. You need to spend time or invest time with them to make them improve. Don't be that manager who is only quick to criticize people and not give any feedback how they how the person can actually improve. That's, that's one. The other thing is, some managers do performance evaluation or, or give feedback based on the recency effect. That is, the most recent event of the year impacts this individual's whole year evaluation. And, you know, being remote, something I would encourage uh, people who are in a remote setting to reach out to their manager more, you know, more uh, frequently. Like once a week or once a month, uh, once you know, once a month to that, you know, every so often, whenever they can, you know, just catch up, ask how things, you know, how can they do better, blah blah blah, 
I think feedback is important. Like I said, don't be that manager who just shouts, shouts, shouts and doesn't do anything. That's a poor manager or a leader. Ravi, thank you so much for that. Uh, I, I think a lot of a lot of good tips, a lot of interesting thoughts packed into that, particularly in terms of that being that person who is so frustrated that all you end up doing is breaking someone down without necessarily telling them what was wrong. I, I think um, we we've talked a little bit today about manner, and I think that uh, the general consensus appears to be. It's very hard to determine what is soft enough or hard enough for for different people in terms of feedback. But I think we can all agree that if you don't tell somebody what they did wrong and instead you just disparage them, that's just really not the way. So Fran actually is saying, best structure, compliment first, highlight the problem, feedback, find the solution. Oh, that's very nice. But in... in Fran, I know I agree with you. I mean, we were too abstracted, right? But often these things happen in a workplace where there are pressures of production or the demands on work, and sometimes a mistake can have, um, you know, consequences that are huge, right, for the organization. And so human emotion comes in the passion. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of nice and neat and slightly bloodless, but you know, human beings are full of passions. And so, how do you how do you make sense of that, right? And and bosses are humans. Uh, people who work for bosses are humans. Uh, so all these need to be negotiated. I mean, I think the, you know my mother's favorite word is resilience. I mean, and you know, maybe she comes from a generation for where that was so important to kind of surviving and people who didn't have that didn't survive. They were broken. But she, I mean, maybe she's wrong, but she put it on the individual to be resilient and to be strong in the face of this world that can be harsh. Well, we have um, this from Dr. Sherzaman, who says, in my opinion, taking responsibility and ownership by the employee is the most important factor that they everyone should be working for. This, by default, brings peace and trust to the workplace. And I think that uh, speaks to that idea of resilience, but also of, of everybody taking individual responsibility. I think the tricky thing with that can be um, how people perceive individual responsibility and whether that stretches into whether that stretches into this was my responsibility, therefore I own it, therefore I'm correct. And I think that that can be difficult when you work collaboratively. I'm also thinking that the other side of this resilience um, point is that if you're a supervisor or a person in a superior position um, and you happen to go through a moment of you know high emotion or passion and say something in a harsher manner, I think you should be okay with apologizing or explaining later. Um, and that's part of feedback, right? Like you should also be able to decide and realize, perhaps I didn't perform as well as I could have in that moment. And that's also leading by example. That is. And, you know, I, I've been in a situation where and I taught in a community college where students were allowed to give feedback on my performance. I mean, I must <laughs> say, you know, I, I was often marked down for being for using sarcasm in the, in the, in the classroom. <laughs> were you? And, yeah, I was. I was yeah, astonished. Shocking, right? Um, and my only defense was, you, you, well, you can't smack them. What else is there left? So you, you said earlier that you were going to bring a generational <laughs> difference, <laughs> a generational quality to this conversation. Was this what you meant? Because you didn't I warn did. us. Okay. <laughs> you didn't tell us that you were going in this direction. I mean, I didn't mean literally smack. No, in fact, I did, meaning we were not, nobody's allowed to smack anybody anymore, right? But if you want to make a point, 
Isn't sarcasm a verbal smack? I, I mean, some people now is like, oh my god, it's violence. You know, it's kind of a epistemic violence to use certain words, and it's no. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I really have a defense for sarcasm. <laughs> I like it, though. I grew up with it. It made me stronger. Uh, and, and yet you have no idea if everyone can recognize it. I think that is sarcasm's true weakness. Yeah, but You're my students sure. are smart enough to recognize it. And, and, once <laughs> and then sensitive <laughs> enough to not like it at all. And then put it in, my, in their feedback to me, which I graciously accepted. So I think if you accepted the feedback, then that's a big part of the process. So... Um, uh, I, I don't even know where to take it from there. I guess I'll just continue asking the question we've been asking uh, because we are continuing to get a lot of interesting messages. How important has feedback been in your work? In general, do you think feedback's very important in a workplace? And what's the best or worst feedback you've ever gotten? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, 2900 uh, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Balanced Frank Medium. BFM 89.9. It's 7.18. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn Sharmila and Sherrod. And today we're asking you, do you think feedback is important in the workplace? How important has it been to you personally? And do you have, you know, best or worst feedback that you want to share that you've ever received? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note to 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Speaking of voice notes, uh, we've got a couple that have come in. Here is Lo. Hi BFM, just want to share some experience regarding the feedback in remote. Uh, for me, I still think that you know giving feedback in, in person is still the best way because they can see your expression, they can, you know, it's, it's more human. And then uh, also to feedback to the younger generation, it really takes some skills because not everyone is the same. Because sometimes when we give feedback, uh, we give feedback how we would, you know, how we would take it but you know some of them they can't really take the feedback you know the way you say it so I had this experience where you know I was just asking for an update you know progress of a daily task and she cried so it was a very you know eye-opening experience for me and then only to learn that she's actually very shy you know and maybe the the way I could have approached it was to uh, uh, talk to her maybe uh, in a remote area, maybe to pull her to another, you know, into a room to ask, you know, to let her come out from her shell before, you know, we start to, you know, talk the way I do. Lah. So that is just some of the feedback. Lah. Hello, thank you for that. Uh, I think it's very, I, I think it's great that, you are taking away something from that experience as well. Um, I, I do think, though, that it really exemplifies the... It really exemplifies the kind of push and pull that we're talking about because on the one hand, you are trying to adjust maybe to a, a different uh, way of giving feedback. You could also make the argument that a shy person working in a, a shared office would benefit from being less shy, um, speaking more openly, kind of, you know. So... It's it's that balance, I find. So I was thinking, actually, here is where I feel like I might be stepping towards Sherrod's side of things a little bit. Um, I think that if you're in the position of uh, this person who might have struggles with particular modes of feedback, it is perhaps incumbent on you to inform your supervisor of whatever struggles you might be. Perhaps you communicate differently. Perhaps you have social anxiety. I think it's helpful to be... Tell people 
what works for you and what doesn't. Uh, of course, that requires self-awareness. Yes, it which, also requires a workplace that is open to hearing those things. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah, but you know, there's... I mean, I know there's a premium place on on sort of revealing all about yourself, uh, not just at the workplace, but on social media. Uh, I didn't grow up in that generation. You know, we would, in many ways, we were a midpoint between the stoicism of the of you know the previous generation when people said nothing and accept all kinds of abuse and this um, and and a, and a time when we become overly sensitive. I think and. I don't know. Is there is there a, is there a way to recalibrate this so that it becomes a workable? Because we're talking about the workplace, not the home, not friendships, not those kind of things. We're talking about a workplace and things that things need to get done. Yes. Yeah. And mm. so yes, you want to be focused on the human person, but there's work and there's things that deliver the clients that you need to service. So you know, so all these things operate at the same time. You know, if we if we think only about the employee and their sensitivities, where do we go as a work organization? All right. So Jane says, yes, I totally agree that remote working and the snowflake generation has made it altogether worse. I have junior staff who cannot be on remote work because of our departmental roles. And it's so much more helpful having each other face to face, questioning and answering in both directions. It's not just about being able to give feedback. It also involves willingness and uh, well receiving open mindsets. I am so grateful for the feedback, cooperation and appreciation I received after. 10 months of working together with with somebody. Um, the best feedback I received was encouraging me to remain positive regardless of how um, misbehaving people in the vicinity are. Uh, and Jane goes on to say, I also have come across snowflakes. Worse, their superiors run around for them solving problems instead of juniors serving the immediate supervisor. Uh, I've noticed juniors and even seniors by age but not behavioural performance lagging and deteriorating with remote working options being abused and bringing them further and further away from reality and from the real people truly working hard on the ground. Okay, so disclaimer, I, I, mean, I, I didn't call anybody a snowflake. I, in fact, I think that coming back to the point about the workplace, professionalism will also mean that bosses don't abuse their power to let off steam. They had a bad day at home, they come out mm. and then they abuse you, not for anything you've done, but for something that's gone bad in their day. So if we are professional, maybe that's the yardstick uh, to calibrate these relationships. I think uh, a perhaps nice response to what you've been saying um, is Nick, who says, I'm an employee and I do realise that my superiors are humans. They're allowed to make mistakes. But one thing I would like is for superiors to practice honesty with empathy and care, no matter how hard the matter is. Often, empathy is missing from feedback in result-oriented culture. And I think this perhaps is an interesting counterpoint to what you were saying earlier, Sherrod, of, well, it's a workplace, things need to get done. At a certain point, maybe I cannot hold your hand to do this. Just do it. Um, and Nick's argument is, okay, maybe you can say that once or twice, but generally speaking, the approach should be with empathy. And I think that that's fine. Uh, to me, I don't know if this marks me out as your sensitivity sand in the line, <laughs> but but I feel like this is a good approach. I mean, I, I agree. I, I actually think that there is a middle ground for most of this, right? Um, I agree with Shira that professionalism is 
professionalism, in fact, means even more so that as a superior, you should be mindful of how you're behaving. Um, and if you are, in fact, just yelling at people because you've had a bad day, that's not being professional. Um, and therefore, that's not productive in a workplace. It's not good for the work you're trying to get done. Um on the other end of the spectrum, obviously, um, if you're someone just starting out work, you're not used to working with people outside of your peer group and your family, and you find things difficult to manage, actually, that's something you do need to learn to get over. Because otherwise, you're not going to be able to work and, and productively collaborate with people. Yeah. So, you know, some people criticize, you know, this overproduction of kind of cycle babble around work. But I think that... Um, in fact, what is at the heart of that is an attempt to make the workplace and the work more efficient to achieve the objectives you want. So if you keep an eye on what methods actually are productive, right? So shouting at people, productive, especially in the long term. So short term, you might get something done. But if you start to damage relations, uh, relationships within the organization, then you might think again about that strategy, right? So... Um, we have maybe, you know, uh, kind of dressed up some of these things that di uh, distract us from what the, the core issue is. In a workplace, I don't mean anywhere else, but in a workplace, yes, sensitivity is important, but we, we need to calibrate it so that we focus on the, on the work. So I think um, I'm just going to close off on this point by saying that the word that uh, our listener used earlier was not sensitivity but empathy. So maybe, you know, thinking about it in those terms as opposed mm. to thinking about how people are sensitive and how I have to calibrate for said sensitivity. Maybe it's just a reframing of the conversation. I just wanted to add, actually, um, a productive workplace. Increasingly, we are learning that happy well-treated employees are actually important to a productive workplace. I, I don't know how much of that has come to our shores, but, but yes, <laughs> sure. Uh, we also have a voice note that came in from Johnny. Hello, BFM. Um, as a boomer, baby boomer or retiree, I think the best thing we can learn is how to communicate to everyone, especially to your bosses. It is not an easy task, but uh, we all learn along the way. So in theory, it can be, sounds easy, but in practice, it is indeed difficult. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Uh, I think that the importance of communication is key. We have very little time left, but I, I feel like at this point, I want to return to the different modes of communication that we all grew up on, because I actually think it affects the way we speak to people of different generations. I, I really do. Um, yeah, I think... Um if you grew up having to constantly socialize around your parents, friends and, and, you know, every uncle and auntie that came to your house, you were supposed to go and, you know, talk to them. It's very different from if everyone has devices when you go out for dinner, you, you're, you're more used to talking on chat. It does change how comfortable you are with face to face communication. I mean, families are interesting um, cauldron in which you, you're formed as, as a person, right? Um, I, I know in my family where there's, there's a lot of talk and there were two responses. One, you retreated because you didn't want to compete with everybody else. Or two, you became the outgoing, you know, uh, performer because precisely because you wanted to participate. And they were two, and they're both legitimate responses, or they were both uh, responses that kind of came out of that situation. Uh, and we dealt with it as people. 
I think uh, it's worth closing off with Rob who says, having no feedback even after asking for it is the worst feedback ever. I had an editor many years ago when I was still a junior who never gave feedback, even after I inquired about it nicely. I would always ask, are there improvements I can work on? But I was replied with, yeah, yeah, it was fine. Okay, no complaints. In the end, I learned more from other editors from other desks who were more than willing to give feedback. And I think that's the central thesis of our show today, giving feedback is valuable. Uh, how you do it, I think, is is the question. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Inside Story, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.